Reader's Digest presents Hollywood 360 with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry, man. Sam Spade Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Guys! 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 Fellas, did we could listen to the radio or something? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including showbiz news, classic radio shows, movie reviews, trivia contests, and celebrity interviews. This hour on Hollywood 360, we'll figure out what Lisa Wolf's all about when we play... Stump the host, right? Right. We're also going to listen to Crime Club, but uh, right now it's time for Stump the Host. For every question I answer correctly, you'll hear this. For every question I answer incorrectly, you'll hear this, which is a very annoying sound. And uh, Lisa's here. Say hello to uh, hello to our contestant. Hey, hi, hi, hello to Irene. Luckily, you have Irene to help you today. Hi, Irene. I'm going to need her help. Hi. How hey, are you doing? What's up, Irene? Okay, how are you? All right. Good. You're going to be helpful for Carl, I hope, right? Yeah, I hope. <laughs> yeah, he needs a little help every so often. Well, I'm actually going to help Irene. You're going to ask Irene, and then if she needs me, I'll I, chime in. I, you know, I feel like it's a team effort, guys. All right. Okay. Let's do this. All right. Irene You're going to win some Carl. fabulous prizes, Irene. Right. Okay. All right. All right, guys. What is the title of Stan Freeberg's autobiography, which recounts much of his life and early career? Mm. It was published in 1988. Ah, I think I might know this. Do you know this, Irene? I no. think I might have read this. Yeah? Is it? Do you know it, Irene? No. Is it called It Only Hurts When I Laugh? It is. <laughs> it's called It Only Hurts When I Laugh. All right. Are you laughing? No. Okay. <laughs> then it doesn't hurt. <laughs> All right. So we're on the board, Irene. All right. Okay. All right. All right. What radio show was subtitled Radio's Outstanding Theater of Thrills? All right. You know that one? No. This is a good one. Oh, okay. Well, that's suspense. Suspense is right. See, he dings it before I even tell him it's right. Because I know it's right. He knows right. his stuff. All right. All right. It's popular episode on radio, Sorry, Wrong Number, was written by... Irene, do you know that? Who? No. Okay. It's okay. Uh, uh, that's that, what the that team was written by... He'll know. Lucille Fletcher. That is right. <laughs> He'll know. Okay, so what actress starred in this, which was first broadcast in 1943 on the radio? She, well, Irene probably won't know because she doesn't know the show. But well, uh, it, it was, do you know it, Irene? No. Okay, it was Agnes Moorhead. That is who right. Who played Endora on Bewitched. That later. is right, right and right. right. And Okay, who started the 1948 film adaptation? Ah. Ooh, we're getting a little tricky here. All right, here. Irene, you ready for this? Just I jump jump in if you know any of these, but if not, don't worry, we're winning. All right, so the, okay. the, the movie adaptation starred Barbara Stanwyck. That is right. And also... But wait, no, don't also yet. Okay. Okay. Barbara Stanwyck. Right. And the next question is, who starred in the 1989 TV movie? Oh, wow. Ooh. That's a good one. Thank you. Oh, I think I know it. Ooh. I think it was Lonnie Anderson. Yes, it was. Whoa. That's crazy. Amari. 
Well, he's I should go to the racetrack. <laughs> you need to go on Jeopardy. You know what? There should be a classic oh, radio on Jeopardy. Forget about Could it. Could you imagine? They, they would not. They would not do that. You'd be a millionaire. You know what? They actually. <laughs> one time I was watching Jeopardy, and they, they actually had, had a category. Yeah, I have seen yeah. that category on there. Imagine not if a I, whole show. It would be but, great to have a show just called Old Time Radio Jeopardy. I'd go what, on that. I just that. Oh, did you? Okay. Well, you know, I, I I'm not exactly on. I just on, said, can on, you imagine if there was a Jeopardy show that was all about all time classic radio? Well, it'd be really good for me. Yeah, you'd be. Rich. All right, Irene. I think we've got like six right so far. All right, that's everything. Okay, who was the lead star on Tales of Fatima? Oh, yeah, mm. I think I know this one. Do you know I this, think Irene? the lead wait, star. Wait, wait. Do you know? Okay. All right, I'm just the making lead sure. star, uh, Irene. I believe. Was Basil Rathbone. Yes, indeed. Wow. He likes that ding. Wow. Who voiced the radio version of the Texas Ranger, Jace Pearson, on Tales of the Texas Rangers? That was Joel McRae. It was, indeed. Let's just be clear here. I do not talk about these questions with Carl. I would not... I will not. She even not. she has she even has a like a little brief a, a girly briefcase <laughs> that is locked. Locked. She has it locked. She doesn't you know under lock. And when and she key. goes and brushes her teeth and stuff, she takes it with her. I do hide she it. She thinks that I may know the combination, but I don't. <laughs> okay. All right. So you've got Joe McCray now. What was the name of his horse? Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh God, I know this. I think it was <laughs> it was was it charcoal? Yes, it was charcoal. Oh my gosh, I did, uh, that's a item. I'm very shocked that I remember that. I'm not good with shocked. the horses. No, I know you're I'm not. Not good with that's horses. That's why I asked you that question. I think it was charcoal. It was charcoal. And they All called right. him Charky. Oh wow! But you're right. Oh wow! Okay. And you know who created that show? Yeah, well, Stacy yeah. Keach's dad, Stacy Keach, who we played a clip just a few minutes ago of the Word of God with Stacy Keach Jr. His dad created. Tales of the he Texas Ranger. He produced and he directed several he created of the episodes. It. No, he created it too. Well, I'll, let me. He did, and you know what? What? That was my next question. Well, there we go. <laughs> he doesn't even ask. He doesn't even let me ask the question. Irene, you know we are on a roll here. You know what Carl does? I mean, yeah. he asks the questions and then he answers them. Right. He well, then because I always me. know the answer to the questions I ask. You don't even need me, do you? You should just write them and I answer need them you, on the Lisa. air. I need All you. All right. What would I do? Talk to myself? That you wouldn't be any fun. You do that often. Yeah. Okay. We have time Pain. for a little bit more here? Right. Okay? Yeah, a couple minutes. Orson Welles reprises his role of Harry Lyme from what 1949 film? Okay. Do you know this one, Irene? No. Here, Orson Welles. All right. So the film was called The Third Man. Yes, And indeed. that was directed by Carol Green, I believe. I don't have that information and, um, of the director. And then the radio series was called The Lives of Harry Lyme. There you go. Yep. We that's... get one or two for that. Not you, that it matters. You can't you, you can't just, catch up. You just get one. All right. <laughs> but you just keep dinging your bell, don't you worry. I like the bell. I don't like this sound. That sounds annoying. I don't like it either. But I like this sound. Okay. okay go ahead. All and, right. And, and this is a sound uh, when, when I miss, too. All right. Which doesn't seem to happen on this no. episode. Most episodes of The Lives of Harry Lyme would begin with the third man theme right. playing, right? right? And then it would abruptly it would be cut off by what? It was like there's like a whole theme mm-hmm. song. 
Oh, a gunshot. A gunshot. Yeah, a gunshot. I'm so excited. All right. That's right. Irene. Irene, we're good. Good night. good. And so any more? Yeah, you want more? We have time for one more. You got it. What show did J. Edgar Hoover give his endorsement, calling it the finest dramatic program on the air? Do you know that one, Irene? J. Edgar Hoover, head of the FBI? Played by Leonardo DiCaprio in the uh, Clint Eastwood film. Um, so that show would be Gangbusters. Uh, that was the show that he he endorsed, of course. But there was others. But Gangbusters was the first one. But then he also endorsed This Is Your FBI. That was the one the I was FBI, referring and maybe to. Maybe the FBI and Peace, uh, Peace and War. This Is Your but, FBI. But actually, the first one that he endorsed was Gangbusters. Oh, that could be. But I didn't. Can I ask you one more question one about more. it? Okay. Yeah. And this is your FBI was sponsored during its entire run by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of America. And my job is done. Wow. All right. So uh, it was a whitewash. Uh, I, no, I'm I'm happy. To Irene, give it to you. we are the winners by a large margin. You did fantastic. And I'm going to tell my brother to send you some fun prizes. Okay, Irene. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for playing the game, Lisa. Great job. We'll talk to you uh, soon. I'll be around. We'll be right back. Stick around. Crime Club is next. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. The Crime Club was an imprint of the Doubleday Publishing Company. Many classic and popular works of detective and mystery fiction had their first U.S. editions published via the Crime Club, including all 50 books of The Saint by Leslie Charteris. The imprint also published first editions in Sax Romer's Fu Manchu series. Stories from the imprint were first dramatized on radio on the Eno Crime Club, a detective series broadcast on CBS in 1931 and 1932. The Crime Club returned to radio on the Mutual Broadcasting System as a half-hour series with adaptations from the Doubleday imprint. Each installment was introduced by the series host, The Librarian, played by Barry Thompson and Raymond Edward Johnson. Now, you remember Raymond Edward Johnson, better known as the host of Inner Sanctum. This series began December 2nd, 1946, and lasted until October 16th, 1947. So only about a year, Lisa. But we have a good episode for you now. Now, Barry Thompson is the club librarian on this. He's kind of creepy. And this is sort of a little bit, I think, of a kind of a... Kind of a ripoff of Inner Sanctum, but eh, eh, well, what are you going to do? You know, when something was successful like that, yeah. they tried to, uh, you know, they tried to, to replicate it, um, just like you try to replicate, um, you know, uh, the great actresses uh, of the world. You know, well, who would want to win an Academy Award someday? That's right. I'm right? trying really hard. Maybe you'll win it for a Claudia in the uh, in the Word of God that audio could Bible. Be it. That yeah, could, you might could... win an uh, an Academy Award for that. I'm waiting. All right, so this is called Silent Witnesses. It's from March 27, 1947. Here's part one of The Crime Club. Hello, I hope I haven't kept you waiting. Yes, this is The Crime Club. I'm the librarian. Silent Witnesses. Yes, we have that crime club book for you. Come right over. (laughs) 
Ah, you're here. Good. Take the easy chair by the window. Comfortable? The book is on this shelf. Here it is. Silent Witnesses by John Stephen Strange. The very unusual story of a letter that was registered by death. Let's look at it under the reading lamp. It was early evening, and the blizzard that had been going all day gave no sign of blowing itself out. Mary Masterman didn't care. She was home in her upstairs apartment in the quaint two-story building in Greenwich Village. And she was comfortable. Too comfortable, as a matter of fact. Because in the midst of the mystery novel she was reading, the book dissolved on her lap. She dissolved on the sofa. And before long, she was sound asleep. talking, and I'm not going out on any more assignments today. Barney. What? Oh, it's you, Mary. I thought it was my city editor blowing the bugle again. Hi, precious. I've got to see you, Barney. What? What's the matter, honey? I don't know, but I, I'm afraid something terrible has happened. What? I don't know how to explain, but I think there's been a murder. You think? Yes. Please hurry. Where's the corpse, Mary? Corpse, dear? Well, you said something about a murder, didn't you? Yes. Well, where is it? Barney, are you going to be mad at me? Now, look, precious, I'm not going to be. You're so sweet. I am hopping mad. Look, what's the idea of making me drive for an hour in that blizzard all the way from the Bronx? I to, Barney. I was frightened. By whom? The mysterious traveler? I thought I heard two shots. Huh? What's that? Two pistol shots. They seem to come from just below. Frank Vaughn's apartment? Mm-hmm. But I didn't really hear them. What? I was dreaming. I was reading a mystery book, and I fell asleep. And then... Bing, bang. But it was all a dream. <laughs> it must have been. Aren't you sure? Oh, yes. After I phoned you, I decided not to be a scary Mary, so I went down to Frank Vaughn's apartment. And there he was. Oh, how'd you do? And how are you? Oh, don't be silly. I didn't go in. Oh, of course not. Why visit a live lawyer? I didn't even see him. Huh? I listened at his door, and I was satisfied. He wasn't moving around the apartment. How do you know? What? How do you know it was Frank Vaughn who was moving around? Oh, now look, Barney. Maybe it was a murderer. Oh, Mary, you're lucky. What do you mean? Suppose he opened the door and seen you. What then? Are you trying to frighten me all over again? <laughs> you scared me, didn't you? I thought you stepped in on an author or something. <laughs> you idiot. No, you idiot. Do you still love me? Mm. Well... As long as I'm here. <laughs> oh, baby. Darling. Mm -hmm. No sugar shortage here. 
All right. <laughs> we flirted long enough. Now. What? Fix me a drink. Then we'll go downstairs and tell Frank Vaughn about your dream. <laughs> it ought to kill him for sure. You must have gone out, Barney. Yeah. He's even crazier than I am. What are you doing? See? Barney. Am I surprised? Does he always keep his door unlocked? Well, how would I know? I didn't say you should, Mary. Then why did you ask? Just because Frank and I are the only tenants in this house doesn't mean... Look out for that table. I see it. Ooh. Imagine Frank keeping that window open as though it was summer. I better close it. No, no, let's go back upstairs. Wait a minute. We've got no right to be here. Frank isn't home, and besides, I'm cold. Mary, you said you heard two shots. Oh, not that again. I told you I was dreaming. You weren't. What? That's right, honey. Look at that wall. A hole. The kind a bullet makes. Where's my penknife? What are you going to do? Dig, baby. But you can't. Who says so? Now listen, Vaughn. Oh. What's the matter? Over here by the fireplace. Blood? Broken cocktail glass. Uh Uh-huh. Well, here it is, precious. A bullet? From a twenty-five. Well, then I wasn't dreaming. Oh, Barney, what happened here tonight? I don't know, but I want you to do a little thinking. All right. Were there two shots or only one? I... I can't be sure. You've got to be. Well, it seemed like two, but... Yeah? But I was fast asleep, Barney, and if there were two, where's the other bullet? And where's... Oh! Get off the edge, Mary. It's only the telephone. Yes? Mr. Vaughn? Uh-huh. This is Mr. Masson, Thomas Masson. Yes? I expected to hear from you today about that offer I made. Oh, did you? Now, see here, Mr. Vaughn, I think I've been very generous. You know my stepsister Hilda hasn't got a case against me. She can't possibly break Aunt Helen's last will and testament. It's bona fide. Then why bother to make offers? As I told you the other day, I don't want the unpleasantness of a trial in court. And I'm not going to give Hilda the satisfaction of a cash settlement out of court. I'd rather do business with you, privately. Yes. Now, think it over. And you don't earn $100,000 every day. Goodbye. Ouch. Did you hear that, Mary? I don't believe it, Barney. You mean the hundred thousand? I don't believe Frank Vaughn would sell out a client. He hasn't done it yet, precious. He wouldn't even think of it. Such neighborly faith. Oh, Barney. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's go. By all means. We're going uptown to Ted Lassiter's nightclub. Well, what's there? Hilda. And when she opens her mouth, some call what comes out singing. I call it um, after you, sweetheart. <laughs> There's the mutual organ there, Lisa. Hey, uh, mutual was smart. Mutual was smart. They had, uh, instead of paying, you know, 50 musicians like CBS uh, did, right? They had one person at the organ, and they were doing all of the music fill-ins. And, I mean, you know what? Does it really matter? I mean, it's nice to have that orchestra, but mutual had great shows. They had Boston Blackie. They had The Shadow. At this show, they had uh, tons and they had Mysterious Traveler. They were price conscious, just yeah. like you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you know, and uh, hey, I mean, you got to pay the bills. You could spend twenty-five times the amount for music, right? Right? Does it really? Does it? Does it? No, I kind of like the organ. Know. It gives a good feel. I mean, the organ's good. It's right? good. I'm I mean, good with that. It's not a xylophone. I mean, it's an organ. <laughs> That's right. right? No, I could play a xylophone. <laughs> it's not a. It's not a. Uh, 
uh, uh, harmonica. No, I like right? harmonica. Although um, a harmonica would the work. Harmonicas too. are cool, actually. That'd probably work. All right, so that's the first portion of the Crime Club going back to March 27, 1947, called Silent Witnesses, starring Barry Thompson as the club librarian. And uh, you don't want to be late with a book, you know, to this to this guy. He'll uh, he'll off you. He'll you know, off These ya. guys, you know, this club librarian. If you were like a di- if you were a day late returning a, a book, you were in trouble. Let me tell you. Um, all right, we'll get back to that in just a few minutes. Don't forget, we have a website for this show. It is Hollywood360Radio.com, and at that website, the very top of the website, you can click on a button and miraculously receive ten of the best old time radio shows of all time, including Abbott and Costello's Who's on First, Suspense, Inner Sanctum, Fermi and Molly. Great Gildersleeve, Gunsmoke, Escape, just some great, great shows digitally downloaded to your computer or any listening device. Just click on it. It says 10 free shows. Just go to Hollywood360Radio.com. We do this as a thank you to our listeners. We we love our listeners. want to give you a present. That's all you have to do. Go to Hollywood360Radio.com and download your 10 free classic radio shows. All right. Ryan Reynolds is the uh, birthday boy. He uh, was born on October 23rd, 1976, and here is a movie that he starred in in 2009. Why, why are you panting? Because I've been running. Really, from Alaska? I need to talk to you. Yeah, well, I don't have time to talk. I need to catch a 545 to Toronto. All right, so that is uh, Ryan Reynolds along with Sandra Bullock there. Yes, I recognize that. And uh, they start in a movie together. If you know which movie it is in 2009, give us a call toll-free, 855-360-H360. The H is a 4, 855-360-H360. Identify that movie, win some fabulous prizes. Lisa and I will be right back. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. All right. We're back. And here is that clip again. Why why are you panting? Because I've been running. Really, from Alaska? I need to talk to you. Yeah, well, I don't have time to talk. I need to catch a 545 to Toronto. What movie is that? Ryan Reynolds. And uh, Sandra Bullock, let's see if Marie out in Kenosha knows. Hi, Marie. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Are you enjoying the show, I hope? Yes, I have been for a while. Oh, that's great. And um, so uh, could you be like uh, on my fan club and, and we'll we'll pick on Lisa because she's so mean to me, isn't she, Marie? She's so tough on me. Gives me such. Well, actually, I've been wanting to call up and say I'm getting a little irritated with how much you ride her. Oh, I know, but we just, we, you know what? We do it in all in fun. We do <laughs> it in fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm mean to her, right? Yeah, I think oh, you are. Gosh, I know. You know what? I think people really think that. <laughs> do you know what a great, you know, that we do this just for fun? I mean, it's like Lisa gives me a hard time and I give her a hard time. But in real life, she's super mean to me. No, no, that's not true. <laughs> uh, trust me, trust me. I have all the love and affection for Lisa. She's my favorite, favorite person. Uh, other than my mommy, my mommy, you know, takes the cake. My you mommy know, is number we one. We wouldn't be working together for this long if I we know. truly didn't care for each other. We, we just were the best of friends. Um, so, so Marie, what's the name of this movie? 
The proposal. The proposal. That's right. Exactly right. Which means you are a big winner. My uh, crabby brother is going to send you some fun prizes. All right. And I just want to say I highly recommend to everyone to watch this movie because it's got a wonderful twist at the end, especially right where that clip is. All right. Very cool. All right. I I have not seen it. So uh, anything that has romance in it, I avoid like the plague. But uh, (laughs) since you think it's a good movie, I'm going to check it out. Well, you know, Ryan Reynolds gets to really stick it to her. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So I think you'll like that part of it. (laughs) Yeah, poor Marie thinks I'm awful, Lisa. She thinks I'm an awful, awful person. Sandra Bullock's character at the beginning was just a real mean woman. Yeah. and she had him under under her thumb and okay. he it around. And oh, you were man. Great. Sounds great. All right, we got to get back to the show. But thanks, Marie. Appreciate okay. it. She's a big winner. All right, let's get back now to the Crime Club. You see Hilda around? No, but I see Ted Lasseter. Hmm? What? That corner table. Oh, yeah. Oh, watch. <laughs> Doesn't look very gay, does he? Maybe you know what's wrong with him. Mm-hmm. What? Keep your eyebrows on. I'll show you. Ooh, tingling with excitement. Shh. I want to surprise him. You want to roll for the club, Ted? Huh? Who said that? Hiya, pal. What's the idea, Bonnie? Just trying you out, that's all. Well, don't do that again. You newspaper guys. Anything for a laugh, huh? Anything. (laughs) What's he got on you, Ted? Nothing. Who's been telling you things, Bonnie? Rumor hath it, chum. And when rumor hath it in this town, it's practically Winslow. Yeah. You're a nice kid, Bonnie. Thanks. So don't believe everything you hear. I make a note of that. And don't talk about what you don't believe. Sure. Would one of you mind telling me? Well, you heard what he just said, Mary. It's a lie. What's a lie? The blizzard we left outside. (laughs) <laughs> Where's Hilda, Ted? She's in my office. Uh, mind if I go in there? Yeah, she's uh, on the phone. Oh, that's all right. I won't listen. Uh, that's what I said, Barney. She's talking to her lawyer. Frank Vaughn? What kind of drinks you want, kids? On the house. But, Barney, if she's talking to Frank... Uh, yeah. A scotch and soda, Ted. I'll get a waiter. Uh, how about you, Mary? Oh, I feel wonderful. How are you? Well, I... Hey, uh, Barney, uh, is she okay? Mm. Perfect. Then, uh... What is she you don't to do? understand, Ted. We had a terrible scare about Frank. You see, I was home alone, and around 7 o'clock I thought I heard two shots in Frank's apartment. You, uh, what? But it wasn't two shots. It was only one shot. Because after Barney came over, we went downstairs and investigated. Where was Frank? What? Oh, oh, Hilda. Was he there? No, but what's the difference? He's home now. Is he? You just spoke to him, didn't you? No, Mary. Well, well I... But Hilda, baby, you were in my office half an hour. There was no answer. You know what it means, Ted. Maybe. Those two shots Mary heard. Only one. He had that letter Aunt Helen sent me just before she died. He took it home with him tonight. He was going to have a handwriting expert check it. Maybe he didn't take it after all. I told you I saw him put it into his briefcase. I was with him in his office up to half past five, and I left the building with him. Okay, so the handwriting expert checked it and Frank went out someplace. Now, what's there to worry about? He didn't phone me, and he said he would. Tom would do anything to get that letter. He'd he'd kidnap or, or murder. What was in it, Hilda? Three million dollars worth of evidence, Barney. My whole case against Tom. How about some particulars? Sure, why not? About a week before Aunt Helen died, that slimy stepbrother of mine got her to sign a paper. A will? Yes. She was having one of her bad days, and she didn't know what she was doing. But a couple of days later, she remembered something. The butler and the cook had been present when Tom gave her that paper to sign. Witnesses? That's right. And she couldn't understand why. Tom wouldn't tell her, and the servants didn't know. But she was worried. 
So she wrote that letter telling what happened and got the doctor to mail it to me. Well, why didn't she give it to you? I was in Europe. I didn't even know she was dying. By the time I got back to New York, she was... Come on, take it easy, baby. The will was filed, and all I got was one dollar. One dollar! And Tom walked off with the millions. And now he's going to keep them. He's got that letter. You don't know, Hilda. He's got it, Ted, not... So long, kiddies. Where are you going? Guess. Your stepbrother? Of course. It's the logical move. I'm going with you. Thanks, Ted, but I can frighten him all by myself. Just a minute, Hilda. What is it, Barney? Your aunt owned a mansion on West 84th Street, didn't she? Yes. She died there. Anybody using it now? Nobody. It's boarded up. Why? No reason. I was just thinking about the housing shortage. Let's go, Mary. And give my best to your stepbrother, Hilda. And don't shoot without counting the steps to the death house. You're absolutely crazy, Barney. Oh, Mary, you say the nicest things. You'd have to be to believe that Frank's hiding out in that house. I didn't say I believe it, did I? Then why are we going there? To do a routine check. Look, Precious, there's something rotten in this state of Masson versus Masson, and it might be Frank Vaughn. You're crazy. Okay by me, but where's Frank? I don't know. He might be dead. He might be. Who killed him? Tom Masson. Just like that, huh? Well, he had to get that letter, Barney, or lose three million dollars. There was only one shot, Precious, and we found the bullet in the wall. Mm, I'm not so sure about that now. Huh? The more I think of it, the more I... Of course, I was asleep. But, darling, even so, would I hear two shots if there'd only been one? Well, I... And that broken cocktail glass and the missing bullet, what do they mean? Those silent witnesses that something dreadful might have happened. Oh, Barney, I, I don't feel good about it. That's why we got to keep looking for Frank Vaughn. All right, but why in that house? Because it's boarded up and out of circulation. If Tom Masson killed Frank, it'd be an ideal place to park the body. But if he didn't... Yes. He'd want people to think that Frank had disappeared. But if he didn't, Mary... Step on the gas, Barney. We've got to hurry. I hope you're not disappointed. <laughs> what was that? Hallelujah. And on a night like this... Reach into that glove compartment, Mary, and hand me my flashlight, please. A blowout? In more ways than one. Oh. Well. By the way, Barney. Yes, my adorable one. Why didn't you tell Hilda about that phone call Tom made? Is that all you got to offer, Precious? I just happened to think of it. Well, if it'll keep you comfortable, darling, it was because she already had murder in her heart and I didn't want to put it in her hands. Something we didn't think of, Barney. How do we get into a house that's boarded up? That's easy. Show me a keyhole and I'll show you a way to get in. And there it is, the front door. No boards. Mm, I still don't see how you're going to do it. Live and learn, honey. And there's so much to do with both. Watch now. I take this pass key, pass it into the keyhole, give a turn like this, and presto. Oh, full of tricks, aren't you? You can get into a lot of trouble doing such things. Not such things, honey. Come on. Let's get out of the store. Oh, hand me my flashlight. Thanks. Hmm. Nice and warm in here. Yeah. Almost as though we're being lived in. That does smell like coal heat, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Let's look around. Uh, that room over there first. That should be the living room. I'm beginning not to like this very much, Barney. Oh, you'll get over it. Just as soon as we... 
Ah, it is a living room. Mm-hmm. So this is how the 10% live. When they're living. <laughs> okay. Let's try the rest of the house. We know you're here, Frank Vaughn. You'll never get away with it, you know. Don't wear yourself out, Barney. Yeah, but we're trapped. We... Well, don't you care? You still have the pass key. Huh? Oh, sure. <laughs> I was just about to think of it myself. Precious little pass key. Well, Barney, open it. I can't. But don't be silly. You opened the outside door. Yes, honey, but it's not working on this one. Well, now what do we do? The window's boarded up and that door... Couldn't you break it down? That hunk of timber? Oh, I'm good, precious, but not that good. Yeah, Frank Vaughn's a nice guy. He wouldn't sell out a client. Huh, not much. That could have been Tom Masson out there, Barney. Sure, sure. He was just waiting for us to get here. Barney. What is this between you and Frank Vaughn? Barney, don't you smell something? You bet I do. I smell a rat, and I... Nothing like coal gas? Yeah. Where's it coming from? I'll let you know in a minute. That hot air vent. Somebody's trying to kill us. You're not kidding. And whoever's fooling around with that furnace isn't kidding either. Good night, Joseph. Good night, Mr. Madison, sir. Well, well turn a corner and look what you meet. Hilda. Hello, Tom. What are you doing here? Cute, aren't you? Let's go to your apartment. I have nothing to say to you. Really? Now, look here, Hilda. After you, Tom. All right. But if you think you're going to bully me the way you... Step along, little man, or this gun will have something to say to you. I'm still after you. Very well. Hmm. You're so rich now, you can afford to go out and leave the lights on. It's not your money, Hilda. Where's the letter? The letter? The one Aunt Helen wrote me. I sent you a photostatic copy. So don't pretend to look as innocent as you look. Oh, do you want that copy now? I want the original. No. Frank Vaughn had it and you took it. <laughs> this is too good to be true. So you've lost your case. The letter, Tom. I haven't got it. Don't lie to me. Somehow you found out that Frank was going to take it home and have it checked. Did I? You murdered him and stole that letter. Really, you're slightly out of your mind. I'm going to kill you, Tom. Now, look here, Hilda. Frank Vaughn was your lawyer. I had nothing to do with him except through my lawyer. I never even spoke to the man. I want that letter, Tom. You don't believe me. Well, how can I convince you? Don't even try. You'd be a fool to shoot me, Hilda. Everyone knows how much you hate me. Nobody knows how much I really hate you. Even if you manage to get out of this building. You'll be arrested sooner or later. Neither of us will have the money. Hilda, listen to me. What for? I'll make a deal with you. Give you $100,000. Of my money? Aunt Helen left it to me. It's in her will. Who do you think you're kidding? I don't care about that letter. You can't prove that Aunt Helen wrote it. No? Is that why you killed Frank Vaughn? I didn't. Didn't even know he was dead. Oh, a snake can take lessons from you. I'll give you a quarter of a million. All I want's the letter. But I told you... And I told you I don't believe it. Well? All right. Where is it? I'll get it for you. Uh, let's have a drink first. What for? To celebrate your victory. Won't take a minute. 
What would you like? Nothing from you. Oh, come now, Hilda. How about some brandy and something? Now, you give me that gun. I'll give it to you. It was very oh. foolish, Hilda. What will the neighbors think? Oh, my, my wrist. That's better. Now, Hilda, you want to know about a letter? I haven't got it. And I'm awfully sorry I had to ruin that beautifully made-up face of yours. Just another minute, Mary. Oh, it's off the window. Hurry, Barney. I call gas. There's some air coming in the window. It's a good thing you thought of that fireplace. Great. How about a weapon? We're through. Oh. Come on, now, let's get out of here. Oh, you don't have to ask me twice. <coughs> oh, did you ever see such a lovely blizzard? Hop to it, kid. we got a lot of work oh. to do. Oh, no. No, don't tell me we're going back into that house the front way. Not this team. There won't be anybody here to go back for. What do you mean? Whoever tried to kill us is far, far away by now. You didn't say it was Frank Vaughn, Barney. No? I must be slipping. You wouldn't be changing your mind about him, would you? Oh, look, honey, right now I'm too tired to change anything. What's the matter? Let's get back to Frank's apartment and see if he's taken anything for a change. His toothbrush is here. Yeah, and the shaving things. Mary, there's something funny to you here. Is there? Yeah, the brush is still damp. So? And the razor, there's soap on it. Hand me that towel, will you, please? All right, but what's the rumpus about? It's dry. It's a fresh towel, too. Barney, would you mind telling me... I was me... just wondering, Mary. Frank was a pretty neat guy. Was? He wouldn't leave dirty stuff lying around. None of it wasn't his habit. Barney, if you're saying that Frank was murdered... I'm only thinking, precious. Let's go into the living room. Frank was expecting somebody tonight. Or why bother shaving? Well, Hilda told us, the handwriting expert. Uh-huh. But would I shave for a handwriting expert? No. I would shave if I were expecting a beautiful woman. Hilda? Why not? How do we know that she was really trying to get Frank Vaughn on the phone? We don't. Might have been an act to impress Ted Lassiter, just in case she might need an alibi. I don't get it. Why should she kill her own lawyer? I didn't say she did, Mary, but suppose she found out that there was going to be a deal, that she was going to lose that letter. I don't believe it. I don't believe Frank Vaughn yeah, was... Yeah, I know. He wouldn't sell out a client. But there's a possibility that he was going to. And Hilda came here and killed him out of sheer venom and took back her letter. And then what did she do with his body? Make a hocus-pocus until it evaporated? Yeah, well, that's what I don't understand. Is Frank Vaughn alive and somewhere, or is he dead and... Mary. I'm listening. A little while ago, you said something about silent witnesses. Yes. The broken cocktail glass and the bullet in the wall and the missing second bullet. How about that open window? Well, what about it? This is a ground-floor apartment, and that window faces the backyard. It's possible, Mary. It's just possible. What are you doing? Climbing out... Turn on all the lamps, will you, honey? I want plenty of light. But Barney! Mary, the lamp. All right, but I know you're crazy. I just know it. I'll never believe what you're thinking. We couldn't have been running all over town while he was... Barney? Barney! Stay away from the window, Mary. <gasps> yeah. Buried in the snow. In his own backyard. <laughs> But, Barney, of all the places to leave it... Maybe that... In snow. Well, maybe that's all the killer needed. But in a couple of weeks... Somebody had to make it look as though Frank had disappeared. Somebody who had a lot to do in a little time. 
Hello? Oh, hello, Mr. Thomas Manson. Yes? This is Frank Vaughn. What? I decided to make that deal with you. Uh, come down to my apartment and bring that... But, uh, Mr. Vaughn, I... You still want understand. that letter, don't you? Well, certainly, but I... All right, then. Bring the money. A hundred thousand dollars. That was the price, wasn't it? Well... Have you changed your mind? I don't know what to say. Uh, but if you wish to talk to me, I'll, I'll pay you a visit. I'll, I'll be there in an hour. Thank you. Goodbye. That's that. You're a pretty cagey guy. He knows something. Is he coming? So he said. We'll see. If he doesn't show up, then we'll know he knows we know. Or somebody knows. Now for suspect number two. I'm such a cute little suspect. Hello. Ted Lasseter talking. Good evening, Mr. Lasseter. May I speak with Hilda Mason, please? Okay. Who's calling? Her attorney, Frank Vaughn. Who? Frank Vaughn. I promised to call Miss Mason about a certain report, but I was detained. Uh, will you put her on, please? Well, certainly, but she's doing a song number now. You want me to give her a message? If you don't mind. Uh, tell her to come to my apartment. It's very important. I'll do that. Thank you. Goodbye. Hmm, how lovely. Now all we've got to do is wait. And worry. You stay here in the kitchen, Mary. But why, Barney? You said the killer wouldn't come. Oh, I've been fooled before, and I don't want you... Will you do as I say, please? I can't keep our visitor waiting. All right, but you're cheating. Be right with you. Sorry to have kept you... Hello, Barney. Ted. You thought you fooled me, didn't you? You ought to take lessons in voice disguise. Ted Lesser. Uh, back away from that door, pal. Sure, but you don't have to point that gun right at me. I can have just as much respect for it if it were looking somewhere else. Yeah? Uh, where's the girl? Mary? She's upstairs in her apartment. You don't say. She was very tired, and tomorrow is just another working day, you know. You don't mind if I look around, do you? How can I mind? Uh, but she wouldn't be in that kitchen. She, she's got a kitchen of her own upstairs, and, and it's very, very cute. Yeah. Well, I'll have to go up there and see it sometime. Okay, I'll search the rest of the apartment when I get through with you. Well, uh, sit down, Barney. Do I have to? Well, <laughs> I want you to be comfortable. You're a pal. You tip me off to things before the cops find out. How do you know the cops didn't find out? Where are they, Barney? Well, uh, <laughs> they'd be all over the place if they knew, and they aren't. They're not even hiding. All right, Ted. You're going to kill me. You were a nice guy, Barney. Uh, wait. Every dying man is allowed one last request. Will you tell me... Why did I kill Frank Vaughn? No, I just figured that out for myself. Yeah? Well, that's good. You dropped $50,000 in a dice game. The boys gave you 30 days to pay up, but they wanted collateral. You got a nose for news, Barney. It's too bad it's going to be cold. So you put up your nightclub. And then tonight, Hilda told you that Frank had taken that letter home to have it checked. You're not wrong. And that letter was worth a lot of blackmail money. So I took it. Is that all, pal? Uh, one last request. Did you collect on it? Not yet. Who are you going to talk to about it? Hilda or Tom Masson? Tom. He's got the dough. Why bother with outsiders? Then Hilda and Tom didn't know that you got it. No, but Tom's going to find out tomorrow. Oh, well. Uh, by the way, Ted, how did you get that key to that house on 84th Street? I borrowed it from Hilda's dressing room. Well, any more questions? Yeah, just one more. Oh. Nice work, Mary. You knocked him cold. Oh, catch me, Barney. I'm going to faint. Oh, hey, you can't do that, honey. I, I never hit a man with a bottle full of soda before. Well, you could have picked a better time, precious. Oh, you wonderful microbe. Where were you when Ted looked in the kitchen? 
I was under the table. What? <laughs> and Barney, that's where I want to be from now on. And so closes tonight's Crime Club book, Silent Witnesses. This program came from New York. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Ah, there you have the Mutual Organ again there, Lisa. That is the Crime Club from March 27, 1947, Silent Witnesses, starring Barry Thompson. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari, brought to you by Reader's Digest. Lisa, are you going to be here next week? I'll think about that. All right, well, then we're going to hear the Charlie McCarthy Show, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. We'll rock it off into the future on X-1, and then we'll tune into uh, A Tale of Escape. Sound good? It's perfect. All right, and you'll be here? I'll think about it. All righty. From my co-host, Lisa Wolf. Executive producer Mike Costella, national movie critic Sarah Adamson, Vince and Chris Lombardi, my crabby brother Vince Amari, Adam West and Mike Stark, and uh, me, Carl Amari. Thank you all very much for tuning into the show. We'll see you next week. Stay safe out there and uh, have a great week. Hollywood 360 with host Carl Amari is brought to you by Reader's Digest. To learn more about Hollywood 360 or to contact us, visit our website at hollywood360radio.com. Adam West speaking.